Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. Last week we introduced the stream enterer, the trainee who has completely embraced the practices of the Noble Eightfold Path. The qualities developed in the stream enterer are described in various ways. And which are the four factors of stream entry with which he is endowed? There is the case where the disciple of the Noble Ones is endowed with unwavering trust in the Buddha, unwavering trust in the Dhamma, unwavering trust in the Sangha. Virtues that are appealing to the Noble Ones, untorn, unbroken, unspotted, unsplattered, liberating, praised by the wise, untarnished, leading to concentration. Here we learn that a stream-enterer is one possessed of virtue and trust. Virtue may be developed through common practice and understanding, and, as we've seen in earlier talks, trust is described in the gradual instruction as the fundamental qualification for instruction in the Four Noble Truths, equivalent to refuge in the Buddha, in the Dhamma, and the Sangha. With regard to the common practice of generosity, or rather its opposite, stinginess, we find a rather definitive claim. Monks, there are these five forms of stinginess. Which five? Stinginess as to one's monastery, stinginess as to one's families, stinginess as to one's gains, stinginess as to one's status, and stinginess as to the Dhamma. These are the five forms of stinginess. Without abandoning these five things, one is incapable of realizing the fruit of stream entry. This is stated in the context of the monastic's potential unwillingness to share lodgings, donors, donations, or respect with other monastics, or to share his understanding of the Dhamma with other monastics or with lay people. This can be generalized to a layperson's wider field of self-interest. Elsewhere, the stream-enterer is said to have eliminated the first three of ten fetters. As a set, the fetters are used to distinguish four levels of awakening as practice attainments. From the lowest to the highest, stream-enterer, once-returner, non-returner, and arahant. They are kinds of dispositions, that is, They arise repeatedly in the mind rather than being constantly present. And which are the five lower fetters? Self-identity view, doubt, attachment to norms and observances, 
sensual desire, ill will. These are the five lower fetters. And what are the five higher fetters? Desire for material existence, desire for immaterial existence, conceit, restlessness, and ignorance. These are the five higher fetters. In this community of monks, there are monks who, with the total ending of the first three fetters, are stream enterers, steadfast, never again destined for states of woe, headed for self-awakening. I'll discuss here only the three fetters which have ceased for the stream enterer. The remaining will be discussed in the final talks in this series. The second fetter, doubt, is clear enough. It is the opposite of trust in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Self-identity view is the conceptualization of ourselves as a fixed self, the one who performs karmic acts and experiences their fruits, the one who craves, thinks, feels, and gets angry. This tells us that the stream-enterer possesses a significant degree of wisdom, since seeing through self-identity view requires significant insight. I hope that self-identity view will make some sense by the reader by the end of this series of talks on the Buddhist path. The third fetter, attachment to norms and observances, is sometimes misleadingly translated as attachment to rites and rituals. The compound is here, sila plus wata, where sila refers to ethics or precepts, a main theme of Buddhist life, and wata to vows and practices, any practice we may devotely follow including merit-making or meditation, to take two examples. Although these have been strongly endorsed in a Buddhist life, there is nonetheless typically a degree of eye-making involved in such practices, sometimes in seeking karmic fruits or personal improvement or perfection. This is what makes attachment to these a fetter that must be let go of on the path to awakening. We'll explore this further in a later talk. We learn also from this passage that the one firmly established on the path will never make a wrong turn nor regress in practice, but will only proceed toward awakening. How do we become a stream-enterer? By one account, association with people of integrity is a factor for stream entry. Listening to the true Dhamma is a factor for stream entry. Appropriate attention is a factor for stream entry. And practice in accordance with the Dhamma is a factor for stream entry. People of integrity are admirable friends or noble ones, people who inspire and inform us in our practice. Listening to the true Dhamma is critical because both the gradual training and the path involve an interplay between understanding and practice. 
It's through the Dhamma that we acquire common understandings to support common practice, and it's through the Dhamma that we engage the practice of the path. Of course, in modern times, we also read the Dhamma, a privilege unavailable in the early days of Buddhism, and listening to the Dhamma is often just a mouse click away. Appropriate attention is described in another account of the path to stream entry, where it specifies some degree of insight into the Four Noble Truths. He attends appropriately. This is suffering. This is the origination of suffering. This is the cessation of suffering. This is the way leading to the cessation of suffering. As he attends appropriately in this way, three fetters are abandoned in him. Self-identity view, doubt, and grasping at norms and observances. The practice of ethics and the development of selfless virtue and an understanding of the merits of renunciation as factors of the Buddhist life have already prepared us for the abandoning of identity view. Going for refuge has prepared us for the abandoning of doubt. The understanding of karma and its fruits has prepared the way for the ending of grasping of norms and observances. Appropriate attention concerning the Four Noble Truths pushes us over the edge to stream entry. Abandoning self-view goes hand-in-hand with appropriate attention. Appropriate attention is a hugely important factor in Buddhist practice, about which the Buddha stated, Appropriate attention is a quality of a monk in training. Nothing else does so much for attaining the superlative goal. A monk, striving appropriately, attains the end of suffering. The Pali for appropriate attention is more literally translated as thinking from the source and involves a skill for avoiding distraction through speculation or conceptual abstractions and in accord with the Buddha's understanding of conditionality. Our example from earlier talks recognizes poverty as a direct conditioning factor for crime rather than criminals. It also recognizes birth as a direct conditioning factor for death alongside ill health. It also recognizes craving as a direct conditioning factor for suffering rather than irksome circumstances. Phenomena arise from conditions, and appropriate attention traces those conditions in the most direct way. Notice the absence of agents such as thieves in these examples. An agent or a self is one of those conceptual abstractions that become eventually apparent as far as appropriate attention is concerned. Generally, the insight reported for the stream-enter is not so much about craving and suffering as it is more generally about the conditionality which relates craving and suffering and many other factors as well. 
The insight revealed by appropriate attention penetrates to a level of understanding that supplants these three factors once and for all. The insight is called the vision of the Dhamma, Dhamma Chaku. There are a number of anecdotes in the discourses in which a disciple discovers the vision of Dhamma. Recall from an earlier talk the story of Sariputta's encounter with one of the Buddha's first five disciples, in which Asaji evoked the vision of Dhamma in Sariputta by quoting a passage about conditionality, and then Sariputta evoked the same result in Moggallana by repeating the passage to him. Sariputta claimed to have seen the deathless, yet he was not yet an arahant. The vision of Dhamma seems to provide his first glimpse of Nibbana. After all, seeing the conditioned nature of reality gets close to the idea of an unconditioned reality. As the monk Narada describes it, My friend, although I have seen properly with right discernment as it actually is present that the cessation of becoming is Nibbana, still I'm not an arahant whose effluence are ended. It's as if there were a well along a road in a desert with neither rope nor water bucket. A man would come along, overcome by heat, oppressed by the heat, exhausted, dehydrated, and thirsty. He would look into the well and would have knowledge of water, but he would not dwell touching it with his body. In the same way, although I have seen properly with right discernment, as it actually is present, that the cessation of becoming is Nibbana, still I am not an arahant whose effluence are ended. Elsewhere, the related insight into impermanence is attributed to the stream-enterer. This passage also gives us an idea of two tracks of development on the path to stream-entry. One who has trust and belief that these phenomena are this way impermanent is called a faith follower. One who has entered the orderliness of rightness entered the plane of people of integrity, transcended the plane of the run of the mill. He is incapable of doing any deed by which he might be reborn in hell, in the animal realm or in the realm of hungry ghosts. He is incapable of passing away until he has realized the fruit of stream entry. One who, after pondering with a modicum of discernment, has accepted that these phenomena are this way is called a Dhamma follower. One who has entered the orderliness of rightness, entered the plane of people of integrity, transcended the plane of the run of the mill. He is incapable of doing any deed by which he might be reborn in hell, in the animal realm, or in the realm of hungry ghosts. He's incapable of passing away until he has realized the fruit of stream entry.
One who knows and sees that these phenomena are this way is called a stream-enterer, steadfast, never again destined for states of woe, headed for self-awakening. The faith follower and the Dhamma follower are both on the path to stream entry prior to the fruit of stream entry. But ultimately, the fruit of stream entry ripens in insight for both faith and Dhamma follower. Faith is refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Dhamma here is what one has significantly by that point verified for oneself. The practice of higher training. The last three talks have given you an initial pass through the Noble Eightfold Path, one that will be fleshed out in the talks to come. There we will learn how to practice with each of the Eightfolds of the Path. For now, you can appreciate that the Noble Eightfold Path gives you a handy checklist of higher practice. You should remember that you do not need to be a stream-enterer to begin these eight points of practice. Initially, you'll be likely to take them on only at a fairly mundane level, without complete understanding. Uh, in the uh, talks that follow, in the talks that follow, we will describe these eightfolds of higher training in more detail and provide pointers to their successful practice before taking the more recalcitrant issues and finally breaking through to awakening. We've emphasized in our discussion the transition from the Buddhist life to the Buddhist path, which the stream-enterer has completed. Through an accomplished Buddhist life, you will have already satisfied most of the requirements for stream-entry. The tipping point will come with the realization of the vision of Dhamma, also known as the Dhamma Eye, a kind of insight into the contingent nature of reality associated with conditionality and appropriate attention. As you begin to explore the path, you will want to give particular attention to these factors. For if you reach this tipping point, you will be in complete possession of the path. This completes our first path survey of the higher Buddhist training provided by the Noble Eightfold Path. Next week, we'll begin our discussion of foundational wisdom based on the first two factors of the path known as the wisdom group. Incidentally, this series of talks follows the second half of my book, Buddhist Life, Buddhist Path. Information about additional sources can be found at Sitagu, that is S-I-T-A-G-U, sitagu.org slash shortlinks slash life path. Thank you.